Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thanks for being a part of the Fearless Army. Drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And when you do, ask me a question in the comments. Each week, we'll compile your best questions and answer them on air. Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I'm Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Thursday. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for joining us. Special edition of uh, Fearless with Jason Whitlock today. You see we're in a little bit of a different setting. We have uh, one very special guest and one returning guest. You guys will know quite well. You've seen him on the show often. Uh, But we have Tarek Johnson. He was a member of the uh, Capitol Police. He was a lieutenant on the U.S. Capitol Police Force on January the 6th. He's a bit of a whistleblower. Uh, Please let's uh, welcome uh, Tarek Johnson to this show with a round of applause, please. Thank you. Uh, Thank Uh, you for having me. Yeah, good good to have you here, Tarek. We're gonna talk. You guys know that uh, I'm quite passionate about this January 6th issue. And also returning is Nick Searcy. You guys know Nick from Justified and from (laughs) TV and movies and uh, his documentaries he's been doing, Capital Punishment, and we're gonna show you a clip from Capital Punishment here in a second, but before we get started into the conversation, I wanna tell you guys about Nugenics. Guys, are you tired of wasting your money on testosterone booster products that don't work? I don't blame you. That's why our sponsor, Nugenics Total T, lets you try before you buy. Get a complimentary sample when you text 231231 and enter the code FEARLESS. Are you ready to lose your shape, your muscle, your energy? As men, we lose testosterone, the man hormone, the source of our fire. But Nugenics Total T boosts free and total testosterone levels to help you feel better at work, in the gym, and in the bedroom. There's nothing like Nugenics Total T and nothing better. Nugenics Total T testosterone booster with Testafin will help you turn back the clock and re-energize your life. But don't take our word for it. Try it before you buy. If it works, keep using it. If not, keep the sample. You've got nothing to lose, but you could gain energy, muscle, drive, and even more passion. Get your complimentary sample when you text 23123WORD and enter the keyword FEARLESS. Nugenics is the number one doctor-recommended brand and number one selling testosterone-boosting brand at GNC and Walmart. And if you're not totally satisfied, Nugenics will refund 100% of your purchase price plus shipping and processing. Now get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea when you text 231231 and enter the keyword FEARLESS. Text now and get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo X, our newest and most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you lose fat, lose fast and get lean fast, absolutely free. That's text 231231, enter the keyword fearless, 
231231 keyword fearless. Texting enrolls you into reoccurring automated text messages. Consent not required to purchase. Message and data rates may apply. The number one doctor recommended brand by primary care physicians based on an independent survey conducted by IQVIA 2022. All right, uh, I, I want to play you guys an excerpt, uh, a trailer from Nick Searcy's uh, new documentary coming out, Capital Punishment 2. It's the second of Nick's uh, documentaries on what went, what really happened on January 6th. Uh, let's play uh, the trailer. If Pittman would have given Chief Sun um, 21 TD-159, Ashley Babbitt would be here. If Pittman would have helped when we were trying to defend the building um, before the, the breach occurred, Ashley Babbitt would be here. When I decided to evacuate the Senate, if Pittman would have helped me evacuate the House, Ashley Babbitt would be here. Ashley Babbitt is gone because of Yogananda Pittman, there's no question in my mind. And once the proper investigative entities actually do the investigation, it'll show it clearly. So of course that was Nick and that was Tark in Capital Punishment 2. We're honored to have both you guys here. Tark, before I unpack your complete story, I wanna go back just so people have the proper context to hear from you. It's like when you walked in the building today, I was like, man, this young kid was uh, at January 6th and he's this lieutenant I keep hearing about. And you're not a young kid. Uh, you were on the force for 23 years. But anyway, wh where are you from originally? Where'd you grow up? Well, I was born in um, Washington, D.C. I was raised in a small town, Forestville, Maryland, um, a little bit outside of um, Washington, D.C. I went to a high school um, not in my zone. I was told that I was basically being put in like a talented and gifted program. So I got bused from my home school to a school out um, in Southern Maryland, Gwen Park High School in Brandywine, Maryland is where I went. I finished high school there and then I enrolled at in college. I went to Bowie State University, got my degree from there, history and government. And I did that. Um, my last year I finished uh, college while I was a Capitol Police in, um, employee. So I was um, um, working and I decided to that I wanted to be a police officer. So I applied for the police officer position after um, it was um, July 20, I'm sorry, July 24th, um, 1998, when uh, shooting at the Capitol occurred and two officers were killed there. And I applied uh, shortly after that and I was hired. And once I got hired, I went back and I finished my college degree while I was at the United States Capitol Police. While as a line officer, I um, took the special agent exam basically and I passed that um, the first time I took it and I became a special agent. And I was primarily assigned to Senator Patrick Leahy. I assisted with Nancy Pelosi's detail, Hillary Clinton, um, Dennis Hastert, Senator Friss, and a few other ones, Tom Daschle. Um, so I was on those protective details as well. I took the sergeant exam, I got lucky, and I passed that the first time as well. And I was a sergeant for 14 years. And as a sergeant, I worked various different assignments. Um, I was, I worked pretty much every single, um, um, division that we had at the Capitol, um, every single building other than the Library of Congress. I won Office of the Year in 2012 when there was a um, bus explosion in the Third Street Tunnel and I helped along with uh, two other officers 
evacuate that tunnel and we got everybody to safety without any fatalities. I took the lieutenant's exam. I actually took the lieutenant's exam a few times before I finally passed it. And after I passed the lieutenant's exam, I was assigned to the Capitol Division in June of 2018. And that's where I was on January 6th on 2021. I was assigned there. And on that day, my assignment, I was the routine operations commander of the Capitol um, doing the counting of the electoral votes for the certification of the election. So, and, and this is important just for context. I don't want anybody listening to read into the question. Target, I don't want you to read into the question, but just to be natural conversation. You grow up in the D.C. area, most people, black guy, D.C., were you a Democrat? Are you a leftist? Or, or where, were, where were you at politically growing up? I was a lifelong Democrat. And I was told, basically, and what I learned was that the Democrats helped black people and poor people. Republicans did not help black people. And um, they only favored the rich. So that's how I grew up. And that's what I grew up believing. And then over the years, after I could think for myself, I got, after I got older and I started seeing that that necessarily was that wasn't true. And I my politics started to lean uh, right. And I didn't really want to tell anybody because I was kind of ashamed that a black man believing in um, right politics. And I voted for Donald Trump in um, 2016, even though I was a Democrat. I didn't want to I didn't really want to tell anybody, um, you know, because I knew how people would react, you know, like in my family. And, and some of them did. And um, <clears throat> In 2020, I voted for um, Biden because I believe that he was the best person to unite our country. Now, because I looked at it and we were divided. Now, I believed and I loved the way Donald Trump actually ran the country. I just wanted some stability as it came to my country being divided. And I was hoping that um, Joe Biden could do that. That's that was not an answer I expected. Someone that voted for Trump in 2016 votes for uh, Biden in 2020, I, I was not expecting. I, I didn't know anything about your background narrative, but I, that's a, a twist I was not prepared for. How do you think other Capitol Police officers, where do you think they were on the political spectrum? Did more of them lean right than left or more left than right? I think it was probably split. Uh, it's probably split down the middle. Um, Capitol Police is my guess. Is that split down the middle? Does that consistent among black officers as well? I think most of the black officers um, probably voted um, left and most of the white officers probably voted right. Gotcha. And then so on January 6th, 2020, uh, you're a, um, or 2021, you're a, someone that voted Biden in the office. What did you think, what were you thinking in the moments during the early parts of the protest and as things got out of hand on January 6th, what was going through your mind? I think in the early part, I think I believe what everybody believed that it was a bunch of, uh, and what the J6 narrative is uh, right now, which will change, I believe, um, at a certain period of time, that it was just a bunch of angry, white, uneducated Trump supporters trying to take over the Capitol because they were angry that the results of the election didn't go their way. Um, and that's what I thought was occurring at that time. Um, now, these were still U.S. citizens, and that's how I looked at it, that regardless of what was happening, because one of the biggest things I've been trying to tell people is that the police, we like laws are made because you want 
to protect people from themselves. And that's what police officers do. We protect people from themselves. Whether or not you agree for, you know, if you agree with what they're doing or, or why they're doing it. So my, my, my position on that day was to try to de-escalate the situation. And I listened to uh, my commanders on the radio, specifically one um, commander, and that <clears throat> particular commander wasn't doing anything, so I kind of just took over, and I knew that we needed to get the members of Congress on the Senate and the House out of the Capitol building just to de-escalate the situation. And so at 2.28, I evacuated, I called for the evacuation of the Senate side of the Capitol because I was over there. I asked for permission multiple times um, before I evacuated. And Yogananda Pittman just basically, she was the um, chief of our intelligence section. She's unit two on the radio. If you ever listen to the radio transmissions, she was on the radio giving some instructions earlier. So I heard her voice. So she was the only commander that I could hear. So I was pleading for her to help us doing this evacuation. And she just ghosted me. So I told basically her on the radio that I, I'll go ahead and take the, the discipline. I'm going to go ahead and evacuate the building, you know, um, on the Senate side now. So I started the evacuation of the Senate at, um, it was two, approximately two 28. And, uh, I heard on the radio that it sounded as if they were trying to break in. Some of the demonstrators was trying to break in on the house side of the Capitol. So at two 36, I went on ahead and initiated that evacuation as well, because she didn't help me on the first one. I didn't anticipate her helping on the second one. So we started that one at um, 2.36. So both of these evacuations were led by you or were directed by you? No one, because Yogananda Pittman's distracted or whatever she was doing, there's no other lieutenant. There's no one between you and her. There was where you were the voice of authority saying, let's evacuate. Yes. So you basically had to take matters into your own hand because you were asking for authorization from Yogananda Pittman and she never gave it to you. I had no choice. It was either that or let the building get to the point where it, there were too many demonstrators in the building to get the members of Congress out. And I know some people on the left, they're not gonna like this explanation, but when I initiated the evacuations of the um, Senate and the House, it wasn't just for the members of Congress. It was for the officers because you didn't want what happened to Ashley Babbitt times 100. And you wanted to, and this is the part where some of the people on the left won't like, I wanted to help the demonstrators that were in the building because if I didn't initiate those evacuations when I did, if a demonstrator would have bumped into a member of Congress, they would have also probably had the terrorism enhancement added to their charge of trespassing. So you needed to, because I realized that the members of Congress, they were the biggest aggravating factor in the building. And if you remove that, you can start to de-escalate the situation and start to make a calm. And when I was trying to get permission and help to do that, Yogananda Pittman ghosted me. So what's fascinating about what you're saying is that you're calling shots about evacuating and protecting the protesters and the politicians, but you were never asked to testify in front of the January 6th commission. Is that, is that accurate? I was never asked to even interview 
with them. Sometimes, like, they had Chief Sun, I believe Chief Sun interviewed um, before um, the, um, before they aired the public uh, hearings and um, some of the public uh, results of the, uh, what they found during the investigation. I think Chief Sun did at least get the interview. He never got a chance to testify and he was the actual chief of the police on that day. I didn't even get called for an interview. And I absolutely never got a chance to testify. Why do you think that is? Because they knew what I was going to say. And like I said, like the J6 narrative was basically, like I said, a bunch of uh, white, uneducated Trump supporters trying to take over the Capitol for violent insurrection. And if you watched mainstream media, uh, typically on the left, that's all they show was violence and everything. Um, they didn't show anything else. They didn't explain anything else. And if that was your perception on January 6th, your perception should change when you're presented with new facts and new facts arose that showed that it was not an insurrection, that basically this was a coup um, set up and staged and led by Yogananda Pittman so she could be the chief of the Capitol Police and she could gain favor from Nancy Pelosi. That's what this was. Justify that or back that up or further explain. A coup by Yogananda Pittman is what you believe January 6th was. That's what it was. Just elaborate on that a little bit more. With no problem, sir. I can do that with ease. <laughs> okay, so now, what you have to understand, Yogananda Pittman, her position, she was um, an assistant chief of the Capitol Police. She was the number two person in charge of the department. But she was the number one person in charge of the intelligence section, IICD, at the Capitol. That's our intel section. She was the number one person in charge. So the people that she was um, in charge of put together an intelligence report. That report is entitled 21 TD 159. They gave her the report basically laying out what was going to occur on January 6th. She got that report in the middle of December and she didn't give it to Chief Sun. Now, she knew Chief Sun was running around even days before January 6th trying to get National Guard support on Capitol Hill on the 6th. Um, so she, he would have had to go to uh, Paul Irving, who is the, at that time, was the House Sergeant at Arms, and he would have had to go to um, Michael Stinger, who was the Senate Sergeant at Arms, to get permission to have the National Guard, to even request the National Guard to be on Capitol Hill. You can throw out Trump, because people keep saying Trump should have, it wasn't Trump's call. It was um, Paul Irving and Michael Stinger. They have to give Sun permission to request the National Guard. But the thing is this, they both told him that the intelligence didn't support the National Guard being on the Hill on that day because Sun didn't have it. If had he had that vital information that he needed, report 21 TD 159, he would have been able to present this and it would have been a game changer for him because he could have um, had the intelligence report that he needed to articulate why he needed the National Guard on site on that day. Pittman had it and she didn't send it. What makes it even worse, Jason, is that when she was asked to testify and that question was asked, did she give that report to the people who needed it? In operations, Chief Sun, she said she did. And she said she sent them an email and she sent it to him. But the people, so but one of the commanders heard this and was like, oh my God, I, you never sent that to me. But nobody's going to talk about Yogananda Pittman immediately because how powerful she is. So he had to wait till he could resign 
And then he wrote a 16 page whistleblower letter outlining everything she did and said specifically she never sent that intel report to any of the commanders because he went and spoke to all of them and none of them received that intel report and Yogananda Pittman never went to correct her congressional record. I have a question. You know, you talk about how Yogananda Pittman is so powerful that no one would speak up against her. Talk a little bit about what happened to you after January 6th. What was done to you because you took it on your own to evacuate the House and the Senate? Okay, so um, obviously you probably didn't even know until I just told you it was me that ordered the evacuations of both chambers of the Capitol and I led both. You had no idea, correct? Yes. So um, Yogananda Pittman never told anyone that. She never, when she sent the information over to the DOJ, um, to my knowledge and from what I could see that somebody, that somebody showed me that she never even reported that to the Department of Justice. So she left that out of the records that she sent over to them. So I believe that she gave further misleading information, but getting back onto what you said. So Yogananda Pittman, and you can go back, if you go back and you listen to um, some of the interviews she did, she said the reason why she suspended me is because I, I was wearing a Make America Great hat on January 6th, which I did. I wore this for you. <laughs> thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Um, I'm afraid to wear mine because uh, she may try to suspend me from my new job. I don't know. You know, but um, so that's that, that was the reason why she said she suspended me. That wasn't the reason why I believe she suspended me, because on the radio and you can and the radio transmissions are public. So anybody can hear this. I say on the radio on January 6th at the time I'm wearing a hat that I'm wearing a mega hat and I'm walking through the crowd trying to get some officers who would trapped at the top of the steps. So I say it on the radio, everybody heard me. One of my captains was even trying to reach out to me, so people saw me wearing the hat. So I didn't get suspended until January the 9th, three days later. And I think Pittman's exact words were that him wearing that hat required immediate suspension, but she waited three days to suspend me. So let me tell you what occurred on January the 9th, which is a Saturday. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a movie Friday before. Have you ever seen that movie Friday? Yes. When um, Chris Tucker says, um, I can't, I think it was Chris Tucker. He says, how do you get fired on your day off? You know, <laughs> Saturday is my day off. I got suspended on my day off. So Saturday morning, because I, you know, after watching CNN and then um, talking to people and putting stuff together, then I realized what occurred on January 6th wasn't what everybody think it is. So I was like, you know, I got to call and tell somebody. So I, like I told you earlier, I was a special agent and the person that I primarily protected was Senator Patrick Leahy of Vermont. So I had his personal number. So I call him at home and I say, hey, I got something to tell you, um, but I would rather talk to an FBI agent. He says, no, no, tell me. I was like, sir, this is kind of big. I would rather talk to an FBI, FBI agent that you trusted. He says, TK, go ahead and tell me what happened. I said, basically, sir, Yogananda Pittman was going to let you die. She did nothing during the attack. She was letting it happen. So if you listen to the radio, it's going to sound like she was literally letting it happen. So he says, you know what? He says, let me give you, he says, let me, I'm going to reach out to some people and we'll call you back. Got off the phone with him. This is maybe around 10 o'clock in the morning. At 11 o'clock, I get a call from the Capitol Police. Um, I was like, how did they know I called? You know, so they say, uh, hey, um, you're suspended. We're coming to your house right now and we're taking your police powers right now. And they drove to my house and suspended me. How did they even know I made that call? So it sounds like Senator Leahy kind of. I'm not going to say Senator Leahy did that. 
It just could have been a coincidence that they just decided to suspend me on a Saturday morning, an hour after I got off the phone with Senator Leahy. I'm going to defend Senator Leahy off spec. Mm -hmm. He may have reached out to someone at the FBI who snitched. Who you know, he he may not have had ill intentions. Right. It's whoever he reached out to. Hey, y'all should interview and uh, uh, Tark. Then they say, well, hold on, man, we got someone that's going off script, off the narrative, put him down. But so why did you wear, how did you end up with the Make America Great Again hat on? Why did you put that on? Well, on, um, I got a radio call. It was around three o'clock that there were about 10 officers trapped at the top of the rotunda stairs on the outside. So, excuse me, I went outside and I look and I see a sea of people on the east side. I didn't know. It was so many people outside. So I look up and I was like, man, it's going to be tough to get up those steps. So I go over the radio and I request a, uh, a bullhorn so I can talk my way up the steps. Somebody um, brought me a bullhorn. I had one and I grabbed a few officers on a CDU team. A couple of them walked in front of me. A couple of them walked in back because I didn't have any protective gear on. I just had my regular uniform on because I wasn't on the CDU team. I was just a regular, um, I was a lieutenant and we don't wear stuff like that if you're not on a CDU squad. So they escorted me up the steps. And so I, I used my megaphone and I was chanting thing. I love Trump, we love Trump, you know, we, we love him. I love you guys. I'm just, I don't mean you any harm all the way up the steps. So I could try to get to those officers because one of the officers said that they couldn't get down because they were, they were gassed and they were maced and they were trapped, so I was trying to get to them. So once I tried to lead them back down, on the way down, a guy reached over, I thought he was gonna hit me, I didn't know what he was doing, and he put a Make America Great hat on my head. And then I'm moving real slow. So then he says, I want the hat back. And I was like, um, I wanna keep the hat. He was like, but it's the only one that I have. And it was another guy to his right who said, um, he says, what are you guys talking about? And I said, your friend over here, even though I don't think they knew each other, I said, he's trying to take this hat back and I need to keep it so I can get through. He says, well, you can have mine. And I don't actually know which hat I ended up with, but I ended up with the hat on and I got down to the bottom of the steps. So I turn around to, my, to the CDU guys and I say, hey, did we get the people out? And he says, no, we didn't get anybody out. So I kept the hat on and maybe about 20 minutes later, I made another attempt but this time, but I kept the hat on the whole time, thinking that it would help me get back up those steps or if I needed it again. And maybe about 20 minutes later, two guys walk up to me and I found out later that they were Oath Keepers. And I had never heard of the Oath Keepers before. And one of the guys says, what do you think about what's going on out here? I said, this is terrible. I said that um, most of the people here voted for Trump and we're getting beat up. And the people that are watching this are laughing at us. And he says, well, how can I help? I said, well, I got some people trapped at the top of the steps. Can you help me get them out? And they said, well, sure. So one of the guys were, he was leading in the front. I gave him my, my megaphone and he used the megaphone. Now he showed me something, but I was gassed earlier in the day. So my vision wasn't really that great. So when he showed me something, I thought he was showing me a whistle. I don't know why I thought that, but I thought it was a whistle. And I'm like, use my megaphone. And this is, you know, um, louder and they can get you up basically. But he was showing me a badge that he was a former police officer. So he led me, he led in front and it was another guy he was leading, he was like watching my back. We went up there and we got the officers out together. So the hat 
was a tool you was using to calm the crowd down and, hey, I'm on your side, let me through, basically. 100%, and I even tell, I tell the Capitol Police that in my administrative investigation, they didn't care, and they still punished me the hardest they could punish me. You know, but um, how often do you see a black man wearing a mega hat um, doing a demonstration at the United States Capitol? So I figured that would calm people down a little bit. That's why I had the hat on. So you were an undercover Trump supporter. (laughs) (laughs) And and so is there something in, let's say the protest wasn't going on. Say say it was January 5th. Mm -hmm. Would a Capitol Police officer get in trouble for wearing a MAGA hat? 100%. Yes, but this was a different situation. We were in the middle of, our building was surrounded. People were breaking in on all sides. Officers were yelling and screaming on the radio, and which is one of the worst things that you could ever have to deal with during a time like this. Your commander's ghosting you. You're begging for help. Please help us, help us. And you just get ignored. So we had to do what we had to do. And truth be told, sir, I w- the only regret that I have about wearing a mega hat is that I didn't have two of them. I would have wore one in the front and I would have wore one face in the back. <laughs> I don't regret wearing a mega hat at all. CB Distillery offers a full range of carefully formulated CBD and other plant-based solutions packed with whole body healing plant compounds and vital nutrients. 100% clean ingredients, no artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives. Recommended by Dr. Kevin Frey, the Mayo Clinic trained internist and preventative health specialist. If you're frustrated with a health concern that's not getting better, try CBD from the source I trust, cbdistillery.com. Need better sleep? 90% of customers report better sleep with CBD. Could you use more calm? 81% say CBD helps with stress and anxiety. Suffering with pain after exercise, like me. 80% report less pain after physical activity. Enjoy better focus and concentration. Visit cbdistillery.com and enter my code FEARLESS for your discount. No prescription required. That's cbdistillery.com, promo code FEARLESS for 20% off. That's cbdistillery.com with my promo code FEARLESS. My mom and my sister-in-law are both using it. It's helping them with their sleep. CB Distillery. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And so, okay, well, let's say it's January 5th, 2017. Would you get in trouble for wearing a MAGA hat? You wouldn't get in trouble because you're out of uniform. It's not the proper uniform. But this was no ordinary day. We gotcha. were yes. Gotcha. I'm just trying to figure out. So as a police officer, you can't be involved no. in politics and, no. in any kind of way and how you're dressed or participating. And so... I've I've read Steve Baker's stories, uh, who's written some nice pieces for The Blaze. We've had Steve Baker on the show. 
and and he compared your story with Harry Dunn's story. Harry Dunn is the, the, for the, for those of you listening, the audience or watching, he's he's the really tall, large, light-skinned black guy that's been all over television. They brought him in front of Congress and he testified. He's kind of the face. He, he seems to be the most popular Capitol Police officer. Is that accurate? By far. He's got a book coming out, I think, in a few days yeah. uh, about his. And so he was just, I think, a private on the, or first rung of the U.S. Capitol Police Office and didn't have the kind of authority that you have, but he's been interviewed everywhere, testified in front of Congress. While, is there something he was involved with or doing that day that superseded what you were involved with, that he would be a better witness of what transpired than, than you? Harry, no. Um, Harry Dunn was just... Um, Harry Dunn was used um, for two reasons. He was used, number one, to distract the country from Yogananda Pittman's failures. And the other reason why he was used, he was also used to um, influence the 2022 midterm elections. Because if you were on the fence as far as, you know, what January 6th was, you didn't know which way you were going to vote. And you had Harry Dunn coming out every day talking about how horrible the Republicans were because they didn't want to do a 9-11 commission style investigation and talking about what they did and Donald Trump and talking about him. Then if you're on the fence because you're going to have your ardent Republicans who are going to vote Republican, you're going to have your ardent Democrats who are going to vote democratically. But if you're in the middle, then you're going to take those votes and you're going to push them to the Democratic side. That's what Harry Dunn did. And what Harry Dunn did and what they used him for, and I don't think he even knew what they were doing to him, but it was clear to me that by doing that, you gave the House more seats than they would have had had he not done that. Now, I don't know if you know about this prior, but they were expecting in um, like the middle of 2022, they were expecting a red wave in Congress right. where, the, con where the, the House was going to take over by a landslide. That didn't happen. It was more <laughs> of a trickle. But that was because of Harry Dunn. Harry Dunn probably changed the outcome of 50 elections, um, you know, because of what he did. But not but known to him, he didn't know what he was doing, but that's what the, he was being used for. And it was successful because even if you change 10, 20, 30 seats that would have went to the Republican side, you still help the Democrats. They were going to lose the House regardless, but they didn't get crushed. And now you see the problem now with that because they didn't get crushed in the midterm election. This is why we got the speaker situation going on right now. And Harry Dunn was used because he furthered that narrative. 100 percent. Furthered the narrative that that. Well, he cert he hyped, he ignited the racial narrative right. as it relates to that by, by saying that he was called the N word repeatedly. I, obviously, you weren't with Harry Dunn at every moment. But was that your experience? Did anyone throw any racial slurs at you on January 6th? None. And and Did you hear from other officers that maybe had that experience. No. And the thing is this January 6th was not about um, racism. It was not it had nothing to do with race. It was strictly about what people believe the election results were. And I can tell you this two white people helped me get those officers from the top of the steps. No. Those guys were both white. The Oath keepers. Those two men who helped me were both white. <clears throat> 
I have a question. Um, you know, you you technically they said you were suspended because of the MAGA hat, right? Which, what what do you think the real reason you were suspended? Because I called Leahy. That's why. Because they found out that I called Leahy. Right. And they needed me to shut up, and they suspended me, and they to kept keep me quiet to keep me quiet. I was in the house. I had to stay in my house for 17 months. I couldn't even step off my property. I wasn't arrested or anything. I was on literally. Capitol Police house arrest, they call it administrative leave, and they kept me in the house. Uh, if I, I couldn't step off my property, if I left the house, I would have to call the Capitol Police, advise them that I was leaving my house, and even if I used my own leave, I had to give them a number where I could be reached at all times. Hold it. <laughs> Come on, man. For wearing a hat, you had to sit in your home for 17, for wearing a hat. And there were some other things that occurred after the hat, um, doing like after my investigation, which I'll get into later, but the, the sum total of my time was 17 months I was out and I had to sit in there. I couldn't even go. Um, after 16 months, I, uh, I sent my supervisor, my administrative leave supervisor, an email and said, listen, it's been because it had been 16 months. I want to be able to go for a run in my neighborhood. And they finally gave me approval. I think it was in um, June that I can run around my neighborhood. But I had to stay in the house from the hours of eight to four. Monday through Friday. I could, I could leave out the house on the weekends. I could leave out the house on holidays. What were the other things that justified this? What were the things that you said happened afterwards? That it's a long story, which we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that off camera. I'll tell you off camera. You go, but, but this is about to be, it's going to go another direction. So that's why I want to, I don't want to distract the, um, your viewers from this. But <coughs> I will say that... <laughs> You got to give us a little something because that will be like a mystery to the like, what? If I'm watching, I'm like, and I don't want to force you if you're uncomfortable and you don't want to do it, but I'll make the time. <laughs> yeah, I just can't talk about it today. But like I said, um, if people follow me on Twitter, um, more things are going to be coming out. Um, I've been doing a lot of work for J6. Um, like, I'm not going to say 24-7, but every day I, I do work for January 6th hours. So I put a lot of time and energy into this. I have a lot of connections. I have a lot of people supporting me. So uh, it's a lot in the background that's going on and, and some more stuff about what occurred is coming out. Mm. <laughs> that That's, I, I could see part of the suspension being they also want to discredit you. This is a mm guy that got suspended, basically fired. Mm -hmm. Anything that he says is out of bitterness, is out of, well, Yogananda Pittman fired him. That's why he's contradicting her narrative. Uh, that, that's, that's the other motivation, I think. And, and you know, making- I can say this. Yeah. Um, they, did, they, they were trying to fire me um, and I fought it and I won. So they had to clear me to come back. They didn't want me to come back, but they had to clear me to come back on June 26th of 2022. So I processed in from June 26th, I think it was July 1st, that Friday. And after that, I went on leave and I quit because all I wanted to do was win and get processed in. I wanted my badge back for a day. I processed in and I quit because I was never going to work for Yogananda Pittman again, knowing everything I know that she did. It, I was 17 months away when I left the department. My, my last um, day with the department was September 23rd, 2022. I was 17 months away from full retirement and I resigned. It didn't matter how much money, you could have given me $20 million 
I was not going to work for Yogananda Pittman one day. I just wanted to work that. I wanted to come in and process in that week. And then I knew I was never coming back. I could never work for her again, knowing what I knew. She doesn't work there anymore now either, though. And she, she left. Um, she left February 1st of 2023. She left a few months after I did. And so let's say before January 6th, what did you think of Yogananda Pittman before that? I hate to say this, uh, but no, I wasn't really impressed with her skill. I worked for her. She was a captain. And I was a sergeant. I was never really ever impressed with her. And I'm going to tell you a story. I wasn't going to tell this story, but I'm going to tell this story. Um, so I remember one of my, I, this was, I think it was around 2010. So I was a sergeant. She was my captain. Uh, one of my officers um, had got hurt in the gym. Now our gym is like three blocks away, right? So I got a call. I think it went over the radio that one of our officers at the Capitol Division was hurt. So um, the ambulance was coming to get him, right? So the ambulance got there. So typically a sergeant would ride in the ambulance with uh, one of those, you know, like if, if one of my officers got hurt, I'm going to ride in the ambulance with that officer as he goes. But that officer was blocks away. So I couldn't make it over to where he was at because the ambulance is already there. I was, on, I was on my way there, but I couldn't make it, right? So Yogananda told me to tell the ambulance to hold up. I said, ma'am, with all due respect, this officer needs help. I'm not going to tell the ambulance to stop. And, you know, this guy needs medical attention. I would meet him up there. I would get a car from the Capitol Division and drive up there, and that's what I did. But when she told me to try to stop the ambulance, when this officer needs medical attention, I said I, I lost a lot of respect for her that very day. This is speculative, but was she respected by the rank and file, in, in your opinion? The Only the ones that she promoted. She promoted a lot of people. And those are the ones who are loyal to her and they respected her. But by and large, no, she was not respected. If you look at um, if you go back and look at the um, union vote, I think it occurred February of 2021 after January 6th. She got a I think it was a 92 percent no confidence vote. They wanted her gone. And I think the chief of the um, union said that she needs to step aside after what she did. Causing January 6th. So what happened to you? Yogananda Pittman after this, when she left the Capitol Police, where did she wind up? So now, Yogananda Pittman didn't turn 50 until June, but she left in February of 2023. So I was like, man, that was a neat trick. So we found out later, because people started calling me and sending me information, different people who don't communicate with each other, because uh, I basically was known because I was going on television shows, I was doing uh, interviews, I was doing tweets. So. If people had information, they would give me that information. And multiple people from different, you know, who don't, aren't connected to each other, Yogananda Pittman was still working. She's still on the books. She's still on the books, TK. I'm like, how is she still on the books? She put up the upfront out. They put the upfront out. Uh, upfront is like a publication that they send out when they want to say goodbye to somebody. I was like, she left months ago. They was like, no, she's still on the books. So uh, we found out later that. J. Thomas Manger gave her a deal that was basically against the department policy and against house ethics to let her stay on the books until June while she took a job at California Berkeley making over a quarter million dollars a year. I think it was around two hundred and eighty two thousand a year. So now she's getting that money. Plus, she's getting the her pension 
she's probably bringing home around $35,000 a month. And uh, her job in, at University of Cal Berkeley, whose who's congressional district is that in? I think it's, um, um, I can't remember the congresswoman's name. I don't, it's, not, it's not Pelosi's. It's not Pelosi's. It's, um, I can't remember the um, congresswoman's name, yeah. but it's near Pelosi's district. Near Pelosi's district. Yeah. So where do you think this whole thing is headed? It, you're working with people that are trying to get the truth out. The, 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 the blaze is doing stories, you know, correcting the narrative. Because now there's video evidence that people have been given access to that back up your narrative and completely contradicts the narrative of Harry Dunn. Uh, where do you think this is headed and, and will there be some tipping point where the media has to deal with the fallacies and falsehoods that have been promoted about January 6th? The answer to that question is a resounding yes. So, um, but this is what people need to know, that Yogananda Pittman was the person that created January 6th. So she was the person that basically led, she created the setup. As Donald Trump would say, she created a beautiful, most perfect setup. That's what Yogananda Pittman did. Now, J. Thomas Manger, who is the current chief, he is leading the cover-up of what occurred on January 6th. So he's going to do everything he can to protect Yogananda Pittman, but he's also doing it for his wife as well. Now, I don't know if you know who his wife is, but she's heavily connected to the Democratic Party. His wife is uh, Jacqueline Manger, who is a um, Democratic hopeful. And she ran for the uh, county council in Montgomery County under the Democratic um, uh, umbrella, and she lost. But she's more than likely going to win whatever she runs for next time because her husband is the man, J. Thomas Manger, who's going to keep the narrative the same up to the end of the um, 2024 election. And then they can let it go because it doesn't matter because the election will be over. So he's trying to keep the narrative the same as long as he can through 2024 to after the election. But they're going to give it up at some point. Things are going to come out in the 2024, um, as late as 2025, but you can't keep what occurred on January 6th a secret. You don't think the truth comes out though until 24? The truth is already out. The truth is not gonna be mainstream. I'm telling you the truth right now. Like, and, and, what I'm, and the things that I'm telling you, we can prove it. It's just that mainstream media is not gonna pick it up right now because it's gonna give the country um, a lesson that they don't want the country to have. You don't want the country to know that January 6th was a setup yeah, you, by Yogananda Pittman. You can prove it to them all day long. They're never going to admit it until after the election when it doesn't matter anymore. Then they'll go, it'll be just like the Hunter Biden laptop. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, well, we were lying about that, but you know, the damage is already done. Tell me, it's, I believe you, but I just don't believe at the end of the day, and this is not a defense of her, but Yogananda Pittman, she's not the shot caller in this. No, she's not. But, but, but this is what people have to understand, is that Yogananda Pittman, uh, without, a January 6th can't happen without Yogananda Pittman's approval. She has to approve. Now, uh, people say, well, Nancy Pelosi is way more powerful than Pittman. But let me ask you this question, Jason. Um, do you think that, um, Joe Biden is more powerful than you? Yes. Yes. Okay, now, you have a house. You live in a house, right? Yeah. Okay, when you're in your living room, can Biden come in your house and go have a beer without your permission? 
No. No, he can't. And neither can Pelosi do that to Pittman when it comes to the intel. P- Pelosi can't tell Yoganon to Pittman to sit on intel and not give it to your boss when you know he needed it so he can get approval to have the National Guard on site. You have to hope that Yoganon to Pittman is going to sit on the intel. She can't say, listen, you will not give the intel to Chief Sun. No, she can imply it or she can, you know, I hope she does it, but it's up to Yoganon to Pittman and that's what she did. So, you uh, Pelosi's kind of like the mob boss and Pittman's the capo who doesn't have to get direct orders from the mob boss to know what to do. Is that kind of close Um, when it comes to Pittman was actually the mob boss when it comes to the intel and and Pelosi may have worked in a different family. And then she could say, you know, even though this family, because like even in the mafia, you have different families are have different levels of power. Mm -hmm. So another powerful person in that particular arena could say, listen, if you did this, then it would make life really easy for me. Basically, and I'm not saying that Pelosi did this. I'm saying that if, uh, and it it could have been somebody, one of her underlings, somebody could have said, man, if you sat on his intel, this would make Donald Trump look really, really bad. And you could cause a, uh, a ruckus at the Capitol. Now, I believe that that's what occurred. Now, I don't believe that they knew it was going to get as bad as it did. They probably wasn't expecting it to get that bad, but it got out of hand. And then people got to inside of the Capitol. The Capitol actually got breached. They probably expected a few people to get hurt outside, maybe 40 or 50 officers. That would have been enough to embarrass Trump and to get major and to get sun fired. That's what they needed. But it was worse. I think that I, I kind of tend to I think they wanted it to be worse than it was. And, and see, to me, that's why Pittman would not grant permission for you to clear the House and the Senate. They wanted something really, really horrible to happen that day. They wanted a massacre. That's what I think. I don't know. You know, I do think that Pittman needs to answer questions. Now, she did get a seven hour interview recently because I was tweeting with regularity. And I don't know if it was me that caused it, but I, I don't think that I, I heard it. So Congress had her come back and she had to um, do a seven hour deposition and she answered questions privately, but nothing's been public yet. I'm looking forward to hearing her in a public hearing, but this time not in front of a friendly committee. Mm -hmm. Somebody has to ask her the right questions. Like I know the questions to ask her. And the thing is like, if, if, like when Jay Thomas Manger, he testified a couple of times and Congress is not going to know what I would know as it relates to when you ask questions because they wouldn't know what the follow-up questions are because Manger and Pittman would know how to answer the question, but then you have to hit them with the right follow-up question to get them to answer. Like one of the questions was asked of Manger and one of the hearings he did was, um, do you think whistleblowers need protection? Because I have been saying that Manger is the person that's crushing the whistleblowers who want to come out. So then Manger says, oh, yes, yes, they, they, need, they need to be protected. It's what he said during the congressional testimony. But he didn't say he would protect them. He said they need protection, but you have to follow up and ask him specifically, are you going to protect them? And what are you going to do to protect these people? Mm-hmm. And Manger didn't do that. He didn't answer any. He didn't get asked a question like that. Mm-hmm. So you have to. And I know I'm not a member of Congress, so I can't ask questions. But I'm like, I was sitting in the committee when they, I was um, in the. Um, the visitors basically spot when they was um, asking him questions and I was behind him and I'm listening and I'm like, I wish they would answer this follow up question. I wish they would ask this. I wish they would ask that. But they don't know to ask. I know I'm a former Capitol Police officer, commander, 
I know the questions to follow up because you got to ask them specific, you know, because if you don't ask them specific questions, they can say, well, you didn't ask that specifically. And, and then the Congress can, uh, like, so what happens after a committee is that they give you, um, I, think, I think it's five days and they, um, they can send you questions that they want answers to. But none of that's public after that. You want to hit them with the shebang right there and you want to ask them the follow questions right there. They just don't know the questions to ask. Mm -hmm. Do you think at any point, again, the, the Republicans have a small majority in the House. Do, do you think at any point you'll ever get called to testify? If um, now um, when it comes to testifying, the, the Republicans shouldn't even call me to testify until next year. You have to wait until the board turns over. Now, you have the USCP, the Capitol Police Board. Right now, the board is Democratic. You have to wait till the board is Republican and then Manger can be fired. Because if you start an investigation today, me, bring any, any of the whistleblowers in, and you ask questions, Manger will destroy those people. So you have to wait until Manger can be fired. He can't be fired until January. How can he destroy you? You're, you don't work there anymore. Um, now... I can tell him now if the if they ask me certain questions, I can tell them this person's a whistleblower, that person's a whistleblower. We got more whistleblowers, and these are the people. You're not going to wait till January to interview those people. You're going to start asking them questions now. Why wait if I tell you who they are today? So they can he can crush those people. And even if you're gone, believe it or not, the Capitol Police can still hurt you even though you're gone. They can still hurt you because now. They still have to, like, if um, I transfer to a new federal agency, like I transfer to another federal agency, I still got paperwork that I need that they haven't given to me yet. So, and it's been a year, and I've been gone over a year, so I still haven't got that paperwork. They can do that to anybody. When you go to another job, you have to apply, and then you have to use your former job as a reference. And if the Capitol says, oh, no, this person was the biggest POS we've ever seen, do not hire this guy. So even if you quit, even if you're gone, they can still hurt you. And they're connected to Congress. So you try to apply for another job, a congressman may give them somebody a call, and that's a wrap. So no, the Capitol Police can still hurt you even if you're gone. That's just how they are. And I don't know if you know this, but the Capitol Police is probably one of the only federal agencies that they don't have to adhere to the Freedom of Information Act. Most people know it as FOIA. So they can do whatever they want to you, and you can go try to subpoena the records, whatever, and they don't have to give you anything. Are, are you, I mean, you still live in the D.C. area, correct? I do. Are, are you concerned about your own safety? And um, I'm not. Now, um, I've already told my family, I, I said that if I, if, my, if I disappear, if I'm killed, that's God's will. I'm not afraid to die for what I believe in. And I'm not going to stop because I'm afraid that somebody could do something to me. And I'm not saying that somebody will. I'm just saying that that doesn't frighten me because I'm a man of God. I wear my cross every day. And if God says it's time for me to go home, I know where I'm going. So I'm good with it. So let's remove the politicians. How, how about the rest of the media, just CNN or the Washington Post right there, New York Times. Have they reached out to you? Has anyone? Um, I'm not going to name the, uh, but you named one of the um, um, outlets that I spoke to. So I spoke to one of the, those outlets and I said, listen, I got proof that Yogananda Pittman 
was the person who caused January 6th. I got radio transmissions. I got documentations of what she did. I got documentation of Manger with the cover-up. I can prove it all. You don't have to believe me. The person said, listen, I can't help you. I don't know who can help you. I'm discontinuing this call. Goodbye. And click. And I'm like, you're supposed to be neutral. Why wouldn't you want to hear anything about Yogananda Pittman? I talked to another a famous, and I'm not going to name any of the outlets, spoke to another famous outlet. I said, listen, um, I even emailed the person uh, a lot of the documentation. I said, read this, read this, read all the, this information. I said, I got radio transmissions that I won't give to you, but I will fly down to wherever you are on my own dime. I'll pay for it myself to let you hear it so you can see what these people did and how evil they are. And they said, um, well, maybe... Um, down the road, you know, we'll, we'll consider that. Was not interested. They didn't want to hear it. The only people that wanted to hear anything I had to say was right-wing um, news outlets. That was it. Well, you got, you got to speak to Tucker Carlson, and that was the end of him, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not, I can't laugh at that. Um, because oh, you, t- you did an interview with Tucker before he left Fox News? Yes. Right before, like two days before. Well, it wasn't it was a cup. It was a little bit after that because he did. Um, and I knew. I feel bad because I didn't tell him because I didn't think that Pittman or or it, it could touch him. I'm thinking he's too powerful. Right. I wish I would have told him how powerful Pittman was, you know, um, before the interview. And, and I didn't tell him. And, and I don't even know. I can tell you. Um, you, you can decide not to air this tomorrow, you know, or tonight. You may say, listen, we may not air it. She's a very powerful woman. So now if, you know, so when I, when they aired that, they may spike my tartar sauce at McDonald's is what you're telling me. <laughs> it could possibly poison my tartar sauce at McDonald's. Should I be concerned? <sighs> um, I'm just, all I'm telling you is that she's a very powerful person. And once you, once the show comes out, you are now going to be an important person. Um, you know, you ever see one of those, um, those, um, police, um, shows and they have like the cork board and they have a person the pictures of this guy and this guy and they have name tags under that. You watch the wire. Yes. Yeah. Your picture's gonna be moved up if you air this tonight. <laughs> it's gonna be up there next to mine. Yes. I'll, look for, I'll, I'll, I'll be prop Joe. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've seen every episode of the wire like five times. Yes. yes. Me too. You're, I'll be yes. prop Joe. You're bunk. Uh. <laughs> mm. Well, no, like if you look at it, no, because we're the bad guy. Yeah. Um, Bunk is, is one of the police officers. Yeah. Um, I think you may be Stringer Bell. Yeah. Um, you may be, obviously, who may you be? Um, uh, White Mike. Sabakas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sabakas. Uh, he's one of the Sabakas. Yeah, he's yeah, on the docks. Yeah, yeah, he's on the docks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I'm definitely. Um, Marlo? No, no. Um, no, no, because they didn't really get Marlo. Yeah. The other one, um, the first Avon. one. Avon. I'm Avon Barksdale. Gotcha. Yeah. That's who I am. I'm Avon Barksdale. Oh, yeah. wow. I'm at the top of that list. Wow. Mm. Wow. It. it, it mm. This is such a fascinating story. I can't wait to be on, on, on that list. Uh, uh, you're, yeah, once, you, once this airs tonight, you're on that list. <laughs> I got yeah. one more but question. They may let you slide, though. If you don't do anything more about J6, then they'll probably say, ah, oh, we'll let them slide. Ah, well, I'm, I'm down that rabbit hole. I, I'm, I'm trying to do something <laughs> on January 6th once a week, so. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. I'll string a bell. <laughs> hey, guys, let me talk to you about liver health formula. You must start taking care of your liver right now, more than ever. Why? Because the latest data from the American Heart Association indicates that adults with fatty liver were three and a half times more likely to have heart failure than those without. 
there's a solution, liver health formula, an all-natural supplement which contains 12 clinically proven botanicals that help recharge and protect your liver, manufactured right here in the US of A and approved by American doctors. So if you're looking to ignite your fat-burning metabolism, boost your energy and transform how you look and feel, try liver health formula and receive a free bottle of blood sugar formula to reduce sugar cravings when you order today. Try liver health formula by going to getliverhelp.com slash Jason and claim your free bonus gift. That's getliverhelp.com slash Jason. <laughs> going back to Pelosi um, and Pelosi's involvement with Pittman, one of the things, you, you watched Stephen Sun just recently testified before Congress. Of course. Well, no. Oh, yes, I watched that and I watched his, his Tucker interview. He said in that interview that Pelosi and he spoke three times on January 6th. Pelosi basically lied because this is provable. I mean, the phone records show that Pelosi and Sund had conversations on January 6th. Pelosi said that she never spoke to him and then she fired him, right, the next day. Why would Pelosi lie about something like that? What would be so bad about her having spoken to Chief Sund? You know, I'm not even gonna try, I don't know, you know. Um I've said this in one of my interviews. I mean, I think she's 80 something, you know. Um, Pelosi's almost done. You know, when you're, you know, she's almost 80, so she's moving on. Um, you're gonna have a new wave of Democrats in power. And, and obviously, you know, Yolanda Pittman is one of those. Don't be surprised if she gets a cabinet position in the next, you know, she's that powerful. Yeah, so she's going to keep moving up. And, you know, the Pelosi's are going to go away. And, she's going to be rewarded for what she did. She's already been rewarded yeah. for what yeah. she did. But then, you know, you know, you have to once, you know, politicians get old mm. and then they go away, you know, so. Not you, really. You have to. I mean, as they do get old. I mean, they do. They, I mean, they don't Thurman. go away. Though. I mean, Thurman, I mean, yes. never went away until it <laughs> was she did go away. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So normally, it, it, you know, you're going you, you're going to go away regardless. But then you have to have somebody that's going to take over that spot. H have you seen what did you make of Steve Baker and those guys reported about? David Lazarus, who worked for Pelosi, and th they've called him in some obvious lies that the videotape contradicts he's not where he says he was. Did you see those stories? In uh, yeah, I saw those stories, and I'm, um, I'm waiting to see. We need to hear from the Capitol Police. J. Thomas Manger, um, he needs to come out, and he needs to speak on that immediately. He, I mean, because it, you can't, uh, these people testify in people's trials, people got gazillion years in jail, you know, um, and if you add up all the years, you're talking about hundreds of years. So you have to know if these people are telling the truth or not. And investigations take a long time, but I don't know if this can wait. You got to find out if um, what really happened and and why did these people tell these specific events or they spoke of certain events. And it doesn't seem um, that the, the video supports what they said in he has to come out and answer these questions. I don't have any faith that they're going to do that, that they're going to come out and admit that they lied because they are intentionally lying and putting these people in jail. Yeah. Um, when it comes to what has to happen, you have to have more of a public um, outcry. Right now, 
when you have people on the right, they're afraid to do anything right now because they're afraid that if I go to the Capitol and I demonstrate at the Capitol mm -hmm. tomorrow, uh, the, they're going to kick in my door and they're going to have guns pointed at my dog and my kid. So right now, um, they're scared right now to do something. So they have to do something. You know, the what it, the what to do, um, you can debate it, but right now you look at them, the J6 uh, community, and they're not organized enough to where they could, because they have to, they have to come together. And one of the things that I've been saying for a while, Jason, is that um, Yogananda Pittman set all of us up, the demonstrators and the police too. So while we fighting against each other, we should be on the same side because if we can outline everything that Yogananda Pittman did wrong before, during and after January 6th, then you can start to say, well, hold up. Because right now, if you look at the, um, the J6 final report, Yogananda Pittman basically saved democracy. That's what's written now. So people are going to say, hey, listen, this is what Pittman did. His things are coming out. Tucker Carlson did. But nothing's written down in the official record because there's no effective investigation that was done on Pittman to do that. But if we can force that and we can prove that she hurt people, police and the demonstrators before, during and after January 6th, people can get relief. But we have to get together to do that. That's what we have to do. You know, you, you've driven me to uh, mention one of the things I've talked about on this show. And Nick, I don't know if you've heard me talk about this, but I, th for the reason you're saying, we can't go to D.C. and protest. They'll set us up there and then they'll sick those all Democrat juries <laughs> on you. And, and, you know, obviously corporate media won't speak for us. And so the, the unique solution I've been throwing out, and I may have to explain it to you even more after the show, is just, I think we should boycott the Super Bowl. That it, we should, the Super Bowl is such this big corporate event, it's this, football's been turned into this political platform for them to promote all of their agendas, that we should, on the conservative evangelical side, we should use that platform to push our message. And if somehow we could hurt Super Bowl ratings by 5%, 10%, 15%, that would send a big message to corporate America, no different than the way we took out Bud Light, that sent a message to corporate America. If, if people that were upset about January 6th, upset about election integrity, upset about drag queens at schools, upset about everything, we said, you know what? We love football, but we're not gonna watch Super Bowl Sunday. We're gonna try to hurt corporate America and send a message to the world that we're frustrated, we can't go do normal protests, you'll criminalize and lock us up. This is the only way we can do it. We can turn off our TVs, watch something else, and get our message out that way. But I, I could unpack it even further, but we gotta think of unique ways like that because you can't get locked up for not turning off your TV as of right now, as of today. Now, but tomorrow, maybe maybe they'll figure out a way It'll to come It'll be forced on. Super Bowl yeah. watching in a couple of <laughs> years. But, but uh, let me throw one other thing at you. Nick, you'll get to be a fly on the wall in a conversation that you probably like, you and your wife will sit back and go, man, I got to sit and listen to two guys talk about that. <laughs> Yogananda Pittman, one of the things that makes her difficult to get at is she's a black woman, a sacred cow. And, and I think she had, she was probably put in the position of leadership that she was because they know she's a sacred cow and they know that the media and everybody will be reluctant to criticize some black woman in that position 
You agree with that? Yogananda Pittman is everything that's wrong about affirmative action. That's Yogananda Pittman. She was totally unqualified for her position and January 6th showed that. So yes, and it's, it makes it hard for people to tag her because she's a black woman. That's too prompt. You can't touch her. So that's where we are and what you said is 100% correct. How long was she in the position? How long ago did she get promoted? Was it was she in that position and moving up and on, you know? Um, she moved up quick. Um, I I had more time on the department than she had. Twenty three and a half years. I think she had twenty two. Um, she uh, when I was a sergeant, she was still a private. So I got promoted uh, one more time, and then she got promoted like six times after to my one. So she moved up really, really, really quick. And what I was told that she is um, heavily connected to the uh, Congressional Black Caucus. And I was told Nancy Pelosi, uh, her friends. So that moved her up. That's what I was told. I don't know if it's true. Um, Don't know if Nancy Pelosi helped her get the job at Berkeley. I just know she's there. I just know it's outside of her district. But that's where we are. I see that you're married by your wedding band. Mm -hmm. What's your wife think about all this? Uh, We had a long talk, and um, so she says, Tarek, um, um, you've done enough interviews. She was saying that it's time to, you know, know, um, there's some other things and other opportunities that I have that I kind of put on the back burner because I realized that, and I realized it, and it hit me when I was suspended for the 17 months, that... I'm an extrovert. I thought I was an introvert. So I, and then when I was suspended, my attorney told me, don't talk to anybody that's employed with the Capitol Police. So not only was I in the house, I couldn't talk to any of my friends because we didn't um, want to um, mess up the investigation that the, that the Capitol Police was doing or the criminal investigation because I was investigated criminally first. And then after I cleared that, that's when the Capitol Police- Investigated criminally. Oh, no question. Because wearing I, a hat? Because I wore the mega hat. So after the criminal investigation ended, I think it was I in May. That's how they got Al Capone from wearing a hat. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Al Capone, he wore the, um, um, the not paying taxes yeah. um, hat. That's what he wore. You know, but um, he was against the Federal Reserve, probably. That, yeah. That's what probably got him across. Yeah. Anyway, I'm yeah. sorry, I'm getting yeah. distracted. <laughs> so um, um, I realized that I was an extrovert, so I like talking to people. And when I came out and I started talking about what Pittman did, and then I didn't find out what Manger did until later, and how he crush, started crushing the whistleblowers and all that, because my focus was just on Pittman. And then I found out about. Uh, Manger and what he did. Then I found out about Julie Farnham, who was Pittman's assistant, who came into the Intel IICD and she was like basically her assistant and she was brought in to be like the Trojan horse, the person who would mess up the Intel. Um, And she did a good job of doing that from what I heard. But getting back to my wife and she was saying that you've done enough interviews, you have to go to phase two. Um, And then phase two, you guys will see that on Twitter, but I'm gonna start focusing on phase two, so I'm not um, out of the game, but I'm not gonna be doing a whole bunch of interviews for a while. I'm not gonna be doing any interviews for a while. I'm going to, uh, you know, and I also have to, I have to fix my financial situation because this costs me money. And like a lot of things that, you know, um, I had to pay for myself. Um, I could have went and got another job befitting of my skill and ability, but I took a job um, moving um, furniture and setting up tables and chairs so I could focus on J6 Justice. And I got an opportunity where if I work, I can make more money. 
so I can pay off my bills. And I, I do have a gifts and go and people have helped me out. And I appreciated it because it kept me in the fight. But it's not paying my bills to the to the level of, you know, a pay that I need to survive. And your voucher. Tell people where they can get your gifts and go. Uh, let's do that before we get you out of here. Yeah, um, and I appreciate everybody. If um, they can do anything, I'll take it. If they can, I understand. I know it's hard out here. Um, it's um, givesingo.com um, forward slash TK Johnson. So if anybody can help, keeps me in the fight. And it'll even get me back in the fight quicker um, with any help that anybody can give. And I appreciate it. Guys, make sure that we get that on screen during the show. Givesingo dot com forward slash tk johnson is it dot com forward slash tk johnson yes okay make sure we get that on the screen and you know what even put it up even before earlier in the show <laughs> uh edit that into earlier in the show on screen want to make sure we're supporting uh tark tark appreciate you coming to nashville uh if something happens to me if if my uh, and I don't, I don't go to McDonald's anymore, but if I break down and do go to McDonald's and get a double filet of fish sandwich and my tartar sauce is poison, uh, I'm going <laughs> to tell my family to sue you uh, for putting me in this position. But, hey, man, thank you so much. And Stringer Bell, thank you for having me on. Appreciate I appreciate it very much, a.k.a. You, Jason Whitlock. Always Good for coming you, by man. and helping out. Uh, we'll play some tomorrow, and we will not see you tomorrow. There is no show on Friday. Uh, we will release some content, but no full show to on Friday. Uh, so we'll see you next week. No negotiation, my sister, no relation. We all just want to have freedom. Sitting on a corner, never been alone. I'll break my back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back. We are receiving all the seed when we all want to be free. We want freedom. I just want, I want to be, I just